Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Last year, on the first Sunday of the year, I stood before you and I shared that 2020 would be a year of celebration. Little did I realize that the biggest celebration is that we made it through. Aren't you glad we made it through? Amen. And we have a brand new year. And I celebrate it with a challenge. This is the challenge. Will we fret and sweat or rest in faith? Will we sweat, fret and sweat or will we rest in faith? See, I don't want to think so, but 2021 may be a lot worse than 2020. We don't know that. We don't know what will happen until it all unwraps before us. But I can promise you that nothing will catch God by surprise. Nothing will catch God by surprise. And at the end of the year, He still will be God. See, one of our many challenges that we face is the attitude which we have. See, there's a lot of things you cannot choose. You couldn't choose where you were born or who you were born to. There are a lot of choices you could not make, but we can choose what kind of attitude we're going to have. And so my challenge to you today is how, what kind of attitude are we going to have in 2021? Will we fret and sweat? I hope you get that dressed of what we said. Fret, worry, sweat. How many knows that that's a lot of that going on? How many knows that some of you have been doing that? And I challenge you today, we need to chill. We need to rest in the peace of God. We need to rest in His assurance. You say, well, man, that's a challenge. It certainly is. It certainly is. Man, I was hoping things would just go so great to start this year. And beginning about Thursday night, I kept getting phone calls and texts and emails. Pastor, I won't be there Sunday. I've been exposed. Well, some of them have been exposed a long time. They just didn't know it. Some of y'all get that later. But we have issues. And I didn't think about this this morning, and I was just sharing that over 40 years ago, sometime between 40 and 47 years ago, my first church I was pastoring, I hesitate to share this because it sounds like almost egotistical and it certainly is not that. It's something that's ministered to me through the years of encouragement. But it was New Year's weekend, pastoring a small church. My bus driver was hunting. What else do you do over New Year's weekend? And so I had to drive the church bus. My adult Sunday school teacher was out of town, so I was privileged to teach the adult Sunday school. My song leader, it wasn't a worship leader back then, it was just a song leader, didn't have one out of town, so I got to lead singing. My piano player was not there, I can't play the piano, (laughs) so we sung Acapulco. (laughs) And I want to tell you, it was terrible, Brother Brown. It it was terrible. 
By the time I got ready to preach, I was ready to go home. <laughs> Probably everybody else was too, but I really was. And I told you it was a small church, and just as we opened the service, just as I began to get ready to preach, the door opened, and the church was small. You were either in or out. And so here comes two distinguished gentlemen. Some of you have heard this story. Two distinguished gentlemen, and I said, oh, no. They're preachers. They're preachers. And I looked at them and said, they're probably good preachers. And remember, I was ready to go home and we hadn't even started. After I got through preaching, I met with the two gentlemen. One of them, I don't remember who he was. But one of them, I did not know, but I knew his name. It was Richard Dorch, superintendent of the Illinois district. That was before the Jimmy Swaggart, I mean, when he went, not Jim Swaggart, Jim Baker, before he went with Jim Baker. And many, many people thought he was going to be our next general superintendent. I mean, he was one of the big dogs. And he sat through that service. I was really embarrassed. Felt I totally bombed. And I know some of you said, Pastor, you still bomb. This was <laughs> 40 years ago. You can imagine how big a bomb it was then. But a few months passed, and I was over at our district office, and Brother Johnson, our superintendent, who was a former pastor here at Oxford, by the way, he said, oh, I was in Springfield the other day for our general presbytery meeting, and I was speaking to Brother Dorch. He told me that he was in your church service back in the winter. I said, yes, he was. I didn't know what was going to come. He said, he wanted me to give you a message. I said, oh, no. And he said, he wanted me to tell you, let's tell you how long ago it was. He says, he wanted me to tell you that that was one of the best sermons he'd heard from a young pastor in many, many years. Now, I want to tell you something. I knew it bombed. But for the last 40 plus years, that has been such a great encouragement to me. Because I realize that sometimes, Brother Brown, when we feel like we've done nothing, is when God enables us to do something. And I don't know why God wanted me to share that this morning, except some of you are probably going through the same feelings that I went through during that time. Man, this is a bust. I can't do anything. Everything just, it just collapsed. But sometimes that's when God's doing the most. We just don't see it. And so when we give you this challenge today, will we fret and sweat? Or will we rest in faith? We have to understand that we can't do it in the natural. I said, we can't do it in the natural. I want to tell you, at 5.30 this morning when I got one of those texts that said I won't be there tomorrow. And at 6 o'clock this morning when I got another one from somebody else flesh can't handle that but I'm so glad that in a small way I have learned to rest in faith Amen. not because of what I can see but because of who he is Amen. now many of you will say we're supposed to rest in faith but how 
When things are falling apart around us, we have pestilence, plagues, dissension, discord, hatred, loss of hope. How can we continue to rest in his faith? Well, you think, do you think Jesus might have the answer? Well, let's look and see what Jesus had to say in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And let me just remind you of this setting. This was the week of the crucifixion. He was getting ready to go to the cross. And yes, we know that God was, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. I want to tell you, he was sweating going to the cross. It was going to be difficult times. But listen to what he said. Have faith in God. Now I know this might be offensive to some of you, but he did not say have faith in faith. Because Brother Devers, I've seen times when faith wavered a little bit. But my God has never wavered. Sometimes we want to put all of our faith, and when we don't feel like we've got the faith, then we don't have it. But guess what? God is still God. And so Jesus didn't say, have faith in your faith. He didn't say, have faith in your church membership. He didn't say, have faith in your parentage. He said, have faith in God. Then he goes on to say this. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Now, why in the world would he put that in there? I believe it's a great important thing. He says, while you're praying, and it's brought to your attention that you have ought against your brother. Forgive, so that the Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And he said, they can say to that mountain. Now, was he speaking of a literal mountain? No, he's figuratively speaking. Of the mountain that's in your way. The loss of your job. Your financial difficulty, your health, those are mountains. He said, but if you ask, believing, have faith in God, God can move that mountain. Just this morning, I read some comments that one of my friends on Facebook wrote. It says this, life ends when you stop dreaming. Hope ends when you stop believing. Love ends when you stop caring. And friendship ends when you stop sharing. Oh, good words. Words to help us so that we can learn to rest in faith, not bread and sweat. Not to worry. Thursday's Daily Sun in a section that I very, very seldom look at. called The Reading Room, there was a poem that was written 
and shared by a lady that lives in the villages. Now, really, I went online trying to find out a contact number for her because I wanted to get her permission. And if any of you know her, please ask, for, ask forgiveness for me. Well, she lives in the villages. Her name is Kathy D. Peters. And she wrote a beautiful poem that really spoke volumes to me. It's seven stanzas. The first three is kind of contains that fretting and worrying. Then stanza four is a transitional statement of looking into the future of how to trust in the Lord. Listen to this poem. This day, this new year, I wallow and soak in the sins of the past, unkind words that I spoke, thoughtless deeds I committed, other needs left unseen, lost in my own life, no intent to be mean. There are days I wear blinders and simply don't see the others around me, only around, only thinking of me and my needs. My wants, my family, my friends, my dreams and my wishes, my list never ends. And if I keep moving and keep up this pace, not a person will catch me or enter my space. Not one will dare loosen or break this facade. It won't be revealed that inside I'm flawed. Listen to this transition. So why do I worry? Why do I wallow and soak on this day? This day to reflect and pause and to pray. This day to stop running to look deep inside. God's telling me now that there's no place to hide. He comes for he knows all that's hidden away. He knows but he still loves me and won't go away. He wants to forgive all my sins and each flaw. He brings with him righteousness, freedom from the law. And as I soak and I wallow in the weight of my sin... He takes off my blinders and he lets his light in. He lifts off the weight so that all is revealed. I acknowledge each sin so that all may be healed. With my eyes set on him, not focused on me, I'm free to be all that he meant me to be, soaking in his grace and living his way, reflecting his love each new year, each day. Boy, did you catch the difference? Wallowing in our self, wallowing in what we are instead of keeping our eyes focused upon Him. So the question is how do we rest in faith and not fret and sweat? Well, I believe we need to follow Jesus' advice. How faith. In God. That's good advice, but how do we do that? Well, the Psalms gives a lot of beautiful advice on how this is done. I've got a lot of scripture I could share this morning, but I'm sure I will not have time. But I want to share some with you. Psalm chapter 71. Psalm chapter 71. Verse 1. And you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. 
In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope. Did you catch that? For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, for my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise, my praise, my praise is continually of you. How in the world can we rest in his faith as we praise and we worship and we honor him? Let's continue on reading down to verse 14. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With, my mighty, with the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. Drop down to verse 22. I will also praise you with a harp. For your faithfulness, O oh my God, I will sing praises to you with a lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For we have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. We need to understand when we begin to worship and praise and exalt God. That's the way that we're getting out of the fretting and sweating and getting into the faith and resting in the peace of God through the power of praise to the power of the Holy Spirit. Edward Mote may have said it best in a song that many of us are familiar with, that old great hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Aren't you glad we've got the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ? to stand upon. Oh, I love the translation of the New Living tra Translation of, of Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Did you get that? He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Well, what if the situation is bleak? He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with our love. What if it seems hopeless? He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. That's what it does. And I know that he follows that up with Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Notice what this is. Oh, I love it. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That you may abound in hope, not fretting and sweating, but abiding in the love and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if somebody said, Pastor, that sounds great, but don't you realize how bad it is? Let me just ask you, how bad is it? And I don't want to make light of the situation. 
Well, let me just ask you, was your situation more bleak than Jesus preparing to go to Calvary? Huh? Was it? Psalm 46 was written after David finally made it to the throne. Now, he had been anointed years before. Years before he had been anointed to be king. But he had to go through a lot of difficult times. He wrote Psalm 46 that we're going to look at in a minute. After he became king. After the ark was brought back to Jerusalem. But prior to that, what had happened? Well, he had survived living in a cave with a bunch of misfits for an army. I know some of you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. But let's see what the book says. Let's, let's see what the book says in 1 Samuel chapter 22. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Now let me just pause there. Just suppose you were put into quarantine and all your family came to live with you. Huh? I mean, all the extended families, all the in-laws and the outlaws, they showed up. That's what David had. And everyone who was in distress. How many of you got those? How would you like to be quarantined with them? David was quarantined with them. Lived in a cave. Say, well, how many? Well, let's read on. And everyone who was in debt, they couldn't even pay their own, buy their own groceries. And everyone who was bitter in soul. Have you met that person yet? They gathered to him and he became commander over them. And they were with him about 400 men. Imagine. Being quarantined. Now I hope you understand I'm not being facetious. I'm not trying to be funny. But I thought of that. David went through some bad stuff. He went through some bad stuff while he was waiting to become king. Church, there's nothing that tells us that we may not have to go through some bad stuff before we become the final ending place where we're going to reign in heaven forever and ever. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, I would love to think that 2021 is going to be much, much, much better than 2020. But we don't know that. I said, we don't know that. But I know that God's still God. And I know that I'd rather be quarantined in my house with my wife than with all of my family <laughs> and all of her family, all the distressed, all the debtors, all the bitter. Oh, man. There used to be a lady I'd go visit. I call her Sister Sunshine. Because I'm going to tell you, whenever I go visit her, I come home feeling so bad. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got relatives like that. Imagine being quarantined with 400 of them in a cave. Now see, they didn't have three bedrooms and three baths. Matter of fact, they didn't even have good water to drink. David said, if I could just have some fresh water from Bethlehem. See, that was the setting that David had come through prior to 
to writing Psalm 46. But notice Psalm 46. I don't think we've had it quite as bad as David. Matter of fact, Martin Luther. Remember reading about him? Martin Luther had a saying that whenever things got bad, when things really got bad, you know what he encouraged his congregation to go do? He said, let's go sing Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will, not, will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Did you catch that? The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. If you don't see that going on in our society and our world, we need to take the blinders off. But I'm glad it doesn't end there. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How has he brought desolation on the earth? He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shadows the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. Be still? Is that another way of saying rest in his faith? Rest in faith. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And I'm going to tell you something. doesn't matter what the media says. One of these days, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And that's what we can rest on. Hallelujah. As we read through Psalms, I was doing a little research and there were just too many to list. But there were three phrases that rang out over and over and over again. Words to encourage us and how to rest in his peace. One of them is our hope is in you. Read the Psalms. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our hope is in you. It's there. Over and over and over again. Another one says, our hope is in your unfailing word. How many knows that God's word is true? God's word is true. Our hope, another phrase was our hope, is in your unfailing love. Did you catch those three phrases? Our hope is in you. Have faith in God. Our hope is in your unfailing word. Our hope is in your unfailing and your everlasting love. Not only in the good times, but the bad. It's easy to trust God in the good times. It's easy to trust God when everything's rosy. But what about the bad times? I can tell you, whenever I leave Golden Corral, it's easy for me to proclaim a fast. <laughs> huh? I can say, hey, I'm going to begin a fast today. And for a few hours, it's easy. A few hours, it's easy. 
We can proclaim it. You say, well, wait, that's being so silly. No, the reality, it's easy for us to serve God in the easy times. But when we can have faith and trust and rest in his peace during the difficult times, that's when it becomes important. You say, well, I would rather fret and sweat. Okay. What's that going to do for you? Because you get sick. Have all kinds of issues. And we need to learn to rest in his faith. In the midst of the exile. Or as the exile was beginning. Jeremiah shares some great, great words of encouragement. Now. I don't want to take the scripture out of context. But I couldn't help but think, Gator, as I was reading this, that they were in isolation for 70 years. They were not allowed to do a lot of things. I know they were in business, but in some sense, they were in exile. For 70 years. But notice what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Aren't you glad you found grace in the wilderness? Amen. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you. There's that phrase, with an everlasting love. There have I, for I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, again you shall adorn yourselves with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. Let me tell you something. God is still in control. He's still doing things and we need to learn to rest in his faith and not sweat and fret in our feelings. We need to learn that. Drop down to verse 13 of that same chapter. Then shall the young women dance, rejoice in the dance. And the young men and, the, and old shall be merry. And I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest, priest with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah. Wait a minute. Didn't we read that story a couple of weeks ago? When they killed all the babies? This is the prophecy. See, so what does that tell you? That tells you that everything wasn't going good. A voice is heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. And she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord. Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future. Can I say that? There is hope. Now, I, there's a lot of things I tell you I don't know. I cannot predict the future. And I know there's a lot of people ask me, well, pastor, haven't you heard this prophecy? Haven't you heard that prophecy? Some of them I've heard and some of them I have not. Some of them I don't care about. Because I'm not going to listen to a prophecy from somebody that I don't know is a prophet. Why am I going to get my hopes built up on something that I've never heard of? 
I'm going to look to the Word. Now, you say, well, what if those prophets are right? Praise God. When it's proven right, then I say, hey, they were right on. But what if they're proven wrong? I know that didn't sit good with some of you. But folks, we don't need to get caught up in all these prophecies going around when we don't know who's making the prophets. When we don't know, the Bible says know those. Now, I know that we can get discerning of the Spirit. I don't want to discount that. But the reality is we need to put our faith and trust in God. And some people's predicting the different this and this and this and this. I don't know. I'm going to tell you that my God is still God. And I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to put my faith in Him. And I'm going to do my best. Now, notice I said I'm going to do my best to rest in His faith. Because all of us go through some of those times when we struggle. We go through some of those times when we have doubts and anxieties. And when things are not going, we say, God, where are you? Then we have to go to the Word. It says, there's hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children should come back to their own country. Some believe that Psalm 27 was written during David's difficult trials. That's one thought process could be right. But you know what the Jews think? The Jews believe that it was wrote after the events of 2 Samuel chapter 21. Let's read just an excerpt from that. Chapter 21, verse 15. Well, that's 2 Samuel. No wonder I couldn't find it. I was in 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel, verse 21, verse 15. There was war against the Philistines in Israel. And David went down together with his servants. And they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbanab, one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze, and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, now who was Abishai? He was one of those who went to get the water that we mentioned earlier. He was one of the mighty men of David. He was the helper. He was David's strength. He was his, uh, one at his side. Now who is your side, at our, my side and your side? The Holy Spirit, right? He's interceding for us. But it says, Abishai, the son of Zerai, came to his aid and attacked the Philistines and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now, wait a minute. So, well, what's he talking about? David was old and wore out. Now, he might not have been old in the ages that we have today, but in that time frame, he was past the age of going out and leading in battle. And the Jews say that Psalm 27 was written in reflection to that. Now let's look at some of that. Psalm 27. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. What did they say in that psalm? That they were going to put the light out. They were going to kill David. I got news for Satan He may kill us physically, but he's not going to put the light out. He's not going to put the light out. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Through an army and camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, 
yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up high upon a rock. Drop down to verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Now isn't that a little bit what the lady said in that poem? That we need to learn to wait. Wait. Now she didn't use the term wait. Notice what she says. With my eyes set on him, not focused on me. I am free to be all that he meant me to be, soaking in his grace. Mm. I could camp there a while. Soaking in his grace and living his way, reflecting his love each new, each day. See, we can be content to wallow in our sorrows, wallow in our difficulties, wallow in our unanswered prayers and those things that we're worried and consumed about, or we can make up our mind, we'll learn to rest in his faith. Rest in his faith. Which brings me to a scripture that we're all familiar with. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not Faint. Well, what's the challenge? The challenge is this. As we go into a brand new year, and you're the one that makes the choice. It's not something pastor chooses for you or your Sunday school teacher or your wife. You have to make the choice. Are you going to fret and sweat? Or are you going to rest in his faith? It's your choice. It's your choice. And I want to choose Gator to rest in his faith. Even when I don't feel like I can. I have to trust in the Lord. I have to go to the rock. And trust in him. Our worship team's coming back. And we're going to sing. Oh hymn of the church. But before they. While they're coming. I want you to just close your eyes in prayer. Father. It's been a difficult year. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But we know. We know where our faith is. And Father, if there's someone watching online. If there's someone within the sound of my voice in this service. If there's someone that will listen in the future to this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them to you. And help them to realize that you are our strength. You are a very present help in time of trouble. 
Yes, we can fret and sweat. We can just worry ourselves sick. Or we can learn and strive and ask you to help us to depend upon a faithful God, to trust you, to cast all of our care upon you, for he cares for us. Father, I just ask right now if there's anyone that's never surrendered to you, that they would start this new year, start this brand new year, not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. And God, we just surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.